0: where we're looking at how uh, you have somebody with, a, with a, a bad record, a bad past, something going on in their life and uh, they get involved with God and God takes their story and turns it around and uses it for, uh, for, for His glory and we've been in the Old Testament for the previous four weeks, for the previous month, uh, uh, you'll notice today we're not and the reason for that is I just felt like we needed to get back to Jesus. Jesus know uh, we've talked about Jesus every week, but I just was missing him and just wanted to preach about Jesus this morning, and so that's why we're jumping uh, into the book of Mark, and then we're going to be in the we'll be looking at the the life of David. Uh, we'll be looking at the life of David next Sunday, but today we're in Mark 5 and we're talking about Jesus and the demoniac, and I'll tell you right up front that demons have been on my mind a good bit this week. Thursday at 5.15 a.m., I was awakened because, you know, at our age, you're just awakened at that time because urges call you places. And so uh, I was awakened by a natural urge to, uh, to get up and, you know, uh, go to the, the, the restroom. And while I was on my way there, I felt a pain. And long story short, 15 minutes later, uh, I was in the emergency room where I would spend the next five hours uh... getting as much uh, lethal medication as they could give me to dull the pain and five hours later they sent me home with, a, uh, with uh, several prescriptions and I, I stayed in the bed most of that day just uh, literally gut-wrenching pain and It was about 29 hours later that the demon kidney stone was exercised, if you know what I'm talking about. Who's had a kidney stone in here before? I would not wish that on anybody. Well, maybe there's some people, but not, no, I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish the pain of a kidney stone on anybody. And it is amazing, Uh, and especially those of you that have seen a kidney stone, it is amazing how something so small, something so small and seemingly insignificant can just absolutely debilitate a person. But, you know, when it, it, it completely took me off my feet where I couldn't move, I was hunched over, I couldn't walk, and, and, and the good news is I've got another one. So yay for that. Um, <laughs> And as a matter of fact, I'm doing something today for only the second time in my ministry career. I am preaching to you doped up on strong medication. And the last time I did this, I don't know what I said. But I said something about me and Bethany, and somehow, for some reason, I mentioned our bedroom. And I don't know where it went, but everybody busted out laughing. Um, so hopefully we're not going to go there this morning, but uh, it it could be it could be interesting. I I don't think it's okay. I took it long enough ago that uh, the uh, the the first effects of it have worn off. But like I said, I've been thinking about I've uh, been thinking about different things this week, and uh, one of those things was was demons, and what first brought that to mind was that demon kidney stone. But then after I became more lucid and more coherent, I got back to my desk on. Uh, on Friday morning, and I got to looking at some things, and I ran across an article, and I posted it in the Cornerstone communication page, and, and several of you uh, saw the link, and I, uh, I think a few of you have read the article, and if you haven't, I encourage you to go and, and do so, uh, because it's about something that is going around right now that is called the Charlie Charlie Challenge. Uh, did anybody, who, who's read the article? Uh, very interesting article about something that is going on, and, it's, uh, and I'll, just, I'll just read you an excerpt from the article. Uh, it says, the Charlie Charlie challenge starts like this. Someone grabs a piece of paper, uh, draws four sections on it. They write yes or no in the opposite corners. Uh, then someone stacks two pencils on the sections like a cross and chants Charlie, and then a Mexican demon um, is supposed to come and answer the questions that they've asked. There's also specific instructions on how to say goodbye to... Charlie, when one finishes the game. And so in some sense, it's, it's kind of similar to, to a Ouija board. And uh, if you know how a Ouija board works, if you've, you've done that kind of thing before. Uh, and it goes on, the article goes on to say, this challenge has swept social media as teens record whether or not this demon answers their questions and, and post it on their favorite sites. The reactions range from ridiculous to terrifying. What is concerning is the lack of discernment and knowledge when it comes to playing with things of a demonic nature. Most participating think it is harmless, but there are real spiritual consequences to a game like this. And as of Monday, uh, the hashtag, which you see up at the top there, Charlie Charlie Challenge, had been, uh, it had been posted over 2 million times. And that was on Monday. Here we are almost a week later. There's no telling what it is what it is up to right now. Uh, and even one of our own teens said they had observed some kids in their school uh, participating in, in this. This is the kind of thing that we don't need to be messing with. Okay, let me, let me say that again, because I'm not sure everybody heard me. This is the kind of stuff we don't need to mess with. We don't need to mess with this stuff, okay? Uh, Satan is real. Satan is powerful. If you don't think so, look at what's going on in the lives of some of our people right now. Look to the Holditch family and you'll see that he wreaks havoc. And here's the thing. We need to be careful when it comes to looking at evil. Don't look too hard into evil because evil looks back. Okay? Evil looks back. And, and whether this is real, whether there's a, a Mexican demon named, named Charlie or not, it does not matter. It's this kind of stuff that the Bible talks about avoiding. You know, Paul writes and says our battle is not against flesh and blood. He says it's against the spiritual dark forces of, of evil. And they are alive and they are well and they are, are present. they are present in the world. Now then, you might be sitting there thinking, well, look, why even bring this up? Because it's going to raise curiosity. As soon as you say don't look at something, somebody's going to go on and look at it. Look at it. And you might say, you know, this is church. We don't need to be talking about this. And what I would say is, you cannot afford to be this naive. You can't afford to be naive about what is out there in the world. So that if you see this, or you encounter this, or you see your kids messing with, I mean, you'd look at that picture and think that's just innocent. You might think it's one of those, you know, who am I going to marry kind of things, and when will I get married, and how many kids. If you see something like that, you'll know what it is, and you'll be able to have a discussion about it with with your kids. And so that's why we talk about it, so that we are aware of what's going out there. We're not caught in, in blindness, and we're not caught off guard. But you know, there are a lot of other people, not just teenagers, but there are a lot of people who, who battle demons from their past, yes or no? Absolutely. People battle demons like, a, like drug and, and alcohol addiction. Uh, there are people that deal with addictions of, uh, or with the demons of physical, uh, mental, emotional, even spiritual abuse. And while there are some that, that do a good job of, of getting past those a little bit, it's those kinds of demons that often threaten to break into their present, break into the now, and to destroy what has, what has been restored so it brings to mind the words of Jesus, unless the house is swept clean, unless the house is swept clean, more, more are going to come in. And so as we're we're talking about demons today, it just I, I continue to, to think about things. And you know, we just finished up our, our first round of our ABC groups, our adult Bible communities that uh, that met on Wednesday nights, and uh, we had some really good. Classes going. In fact, and as a plug for that, we're getting ready to put out the next round of those and we'll encourage you to sign up for them. Uh, the class that I taught was called Theology 101. Now, then, some unscrupulous person decided to dub our class the Nerd Class. And I don't know who that person was, but we got called the Nerd Class and we polled the class, and it turned out our class was okay with being called that. In fact, I just got a thumbs up. We were okay being called the Nerd Class. But during that class, as we're talking about theology and the different branches of it, we covered angels and demons, angelology and, and demonology. And it's, it was during those two weeks that we had some really interesting uh, discussion, uh, especially as we talked about demonology and trying to understand where they come from. Now then, uh, if anybody that attended that class were on the stage with me, what they would tell you is that when you read through the Old Testament, you don't read a whole lot about demonic activity. You read about them in passing. You'll hear them mentioned here and there. You might see a a, a reference to, not the person, but to Rahab that would be a a demon. You might read about Leviathan and things like that, but they're kind of few and and far between. You don't read a whole lot about them in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's as if uh, the whole world has changed. They're right up in your face. You're encountering them right off the bat. In fact, when you go to the the Gospel of Mark, uh, which is believed to be the first gospel written, right there in chapter one, you have spiritual warfare going on, and Jesus encountering a demon. And so that 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 begs the question of what's the difference? What happened? What happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Now then. In that class, what we did is we opened our Bibles. Uh, we opened our Bibles up to, uh, to this plate right here. Uh, this one right here. The, uh, the blank page between the Old and the, the New Testament. And what this is known as, as the intertestamental period. And that was a period of 400 years. And during that 400 years, there was nothing, uh, there was nothing written. And so we have to go to history to find out about what was going on there. So you go to some of the historians, Jewish historian who was, was not a Christian uh, by the name of Josephus and he gives us some of the details of what was happening during that time. And as you go to Josephus and some of those other people that wrote during this time period you realize that this is one of the darkest times in the, in the history of the Jews. As the Old Testament ended Malachi had warned the people not to rebel against God. And of course, they didn't listen. They rebelled against God. And so what God did is He pulled back. And you have this period of 400 years of silence where there is no direct divine activity from God that is recognizable. There were no prophets that came among the people and began to proclaim God's Word. And it was into that vacuum It was into that vacuum that the demons came surging in like a river. So that when you get to the Gospels, you get to the beginning part of Mark, it is right in your face and it is demonic activity. It is uh, encounters with people who have been abused and taken control of by demons and have had their lives absolutely destroyed because of the spiritual forces of darkness that were, were... Prevalent in, in that era. And as we come to Mark chapter 5 this morning, we encounter, we encounter Jesus meeting this demoniac. So let's start reading in, uh, in verse 1 of Mark 5. Jesus is just, he's just calmed the, uh, the sea. They are crossing over to a, a, a Gentile section. And in verse 1 it says, They came to the other side of the sea, the region of the garrisons. As soon as they got out of the boat, or as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. And then from three to five, you have a very dramatic, very detailed description of what has a hold of this guy. Verse three says, he lived in the tombs. No one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he had snapped off the chains, and he had smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him, and always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains, and he was cutting himself with stones. Now, then, we don't know what this guy was like before this. We don't have any reference to him about what his life was and where he came from, all Mark tells us is that when Jesus lands in the, the region of the Gerasenes, as soon as he sets foot on the ground, this man comes out of the tombs and he is demon-possessed. He is uh, no longer living in society. He cannot be controlled. They've tried to chain him up, but the demons that have possessed him are so strong and so powerful that he's able to break the chains, he's able to break the shackles, He lives in the tombs. He lives marginalized. Now then you think about this too. Those of us that have battled with demons in our life, often we feel marginalized. We feel like we don't fit in, like we don't have a place, like because of the things that we deal with, we cannot contribute. That's exactly what Satan wants us to feel like. He wants us to, to feel isolated. He wants us to feel like we don't belong. He wants to continue to bring those things up either in our mind or through another person as to why we are not acceptable, why we can't be used for the kingdom of God. And that's where this guy is. He's off in the tombs, and all this guy does is he stays out there, he breaks the chains, he breaks the shackles, he cuts himself with rocks, and he howls into the night. Now there's an interesting thing about the, the rocks and the, and the cutting himself. After the, the fall of man, Mankind still bore the the image of, of God. This demonic presence is bent on destruction. And so the cutting of rocks is an attempt to destroy, an attempt to destroy that that image of, of God. And so we go to this guy's resume. And again, we don't we don't know a lot about him. We go to his executive profile. We don't have any clue. We don't know about his professional experience, but this one we can take a guess at. Reason for leaving your last job? Well, you're demon-possessed. That would do it. Yes or no? That would do it. Anybody want to hire a guy that's demon-possessed? No, because we don't know how to handle somebody like that. What does that give you? It gives you a big, fat, rejected. Okay. We don't need anybody like that. We don't want anything to do with with someone like that. This is the guy that Jesus encounters. Look at verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he knelt down before him. And he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? You see, it was believed that if you were dealing with someone who had greater authority than you to use their name was to gain uh, authority over them and you would be able to submit them. And that's why the demon is using the name of Jesus, using His title, Son of the Most High God. It also reminds us that even the demons know who Jesus is. And they recognize His power. They recognize God. And he says, I beg you, I beg you before God, don't torment me. Now that's interesting, isn't it? A demon who is tormenting this guy, begging Jesus not to torment them. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name, he asked him. And he said, my name is Legion. We discover it's not just one demon that has possessed this man. It is a multitude of demons. A Roman legion would consist of thousands of soldiers. And he is saying, this is what is inside of this guy." And he said, my name is Legion because we are many. And he kept begging him not to send them out of the region. Now then, isn't that interesting to notice? That when Jesus commands someone to come out, the the, the demons didn't just hop to and vacate. They put up a struggle. Why? Because we live in a world that is a struggle. We live in a world where there is constant battles between good and evil. We live in a world where the will of God does not always get done as God wants it to be done, right? If it were that way, Jesus wouldn't have taught us to pray, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it was getting done, we wouldn't have to pray that way. But there are forces in this world that war against the forces of good that push back and and fight. And so even when Jesus tells a demon, come out, the demons are saying, wait a minute, don't make me go, don't torture me, don't torment me, don't send me away. They are pushing back, which ought to give us pause when it comes to messing with stuff like Ouija boards and Charlie Charlie and things like that. Because if they don't hop to and listen to Jesus at first command, what makes you think they're going to listen to us? You remember the story in Paul, or in the book of Acts, I think it's... uh, uh, these guys are, are they're dealing with, with somebody, I think it's the seven sons of Sceva, and uh, commanding out uh, demons in, uh, in Jesus' name, or in the name of Paul, uh, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached. They said, you know, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who do you think you are? And there was an absolute thrashing by the demonic forces. You know, that's why I, I, I can't impress strongly enough that this is the kind of stuff that we cannot afford to be messing around. Uh, And I mentioned in the nerd class, and so if you take the nerd class, you'll have a chance coming up in a few weeks, but you'll hear this. There was a shirt that was going around a few years ago, and it said, Satan is a nerd. And on one level, I get it. I understand it. Hey, I don't mess with Satan. He's not my guy. I don't don't hang out with Satan. I'm not down with him. On the other hand, You've got to be a dummy to wear a shirt like that. Because when you think of a nerd, what do you think about? you think about somebody who's going to overpower you? That's the idea behind it, okay? That's the idea. I mean, we, we think about nerds in general, you know, the stereotype of a nerd. And for the most part, that's somebody that we can control. We can overpower, but I promise you, Satan is not somebody that can be overpowered. He will thrash you if you give him the opportunity. And so that's why I'm saying we don't need to be messing with this stuff. Even in the book of Jude, and now I'm I'm just saying stuff I never intended to say, but while we're here, we'll say it. In the book of Jude, the archangel Michael, the most powerful angel, would not bring an accusation against Satan. Because he recognized, he recognized his power. And that's what we need to do. We need to recognize the spiritual forces of evil and not just say, oh, Charlie, Charlie, that's just a game. Or Ouija board, that's just a game. And while there might be an element of a game to it, you start messing around with some of that stuff. And there's going to be some spiritual consequences. Because we are told, we are called to avoid that kind of thing. And so he begs Jesus not to send him out, send them out. Verse 11 says, Now a large herd of pigs was there feeding on a hillside. The demons begged him, Send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. And he gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there and what that does is it it reveals it reveals the destructive nature of demonic forces what does it it tell us about the thief the thief comes to kill and to steal and say it with me and to and to destroy that's what Satan's about he is about killing off anything good in our lives. he is about stealing joy in your life? Have you ever had joy stolen from you? If you have endured any kind of attack from Satan, chances are that maybe for a brief minute or maybe for a long period of time you've had your joy stolen. Okay, and I understand that. And those of you that struggle with that, I wouldn't berate you for that because that's a struggle. That's a real struggle that I deal with. But that's what Satan wants to do. He comes to kill. He comes to steal. And he comes to destroy our Lives. And he will use all manner of evil to do it. To separate us, to isolate us, to cut us off, to turn us from God. 14 says, the men who tended them, talking about the pigs, ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and the people went to see what happened. They came to Jesus and they saw the man. Now then notice this in contrast to verses 3 through 5 that we looked at a minute ago. They saw the man who had been demon-possessed by the legion sitting there dressed in his right mind. Earlier, he's possessed by a legion of demons that no one can control. He lives in the tomb. They've chained this guy up repeatedly. Every time he smashed the chains and the shackles, he stays out there all night long, howling and moaning and making all kinds of noise, cutting himself with rocks, attempting to destroy the image of God. And yet, right here, when the people come out to see, they see him sitting there in his right mind, having a conversation with Jesus. Praise God, right? That's not what they say. Let's keep reading. The eyewitness described to them what happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. And they began to beg him, Jesus, to leave their region. They were afraid of of Jesus. But now then, watch this. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed kept begging (laughs) Him to go be with Him. He says, hey Jesus, take me with you. I want to go with you. But Jesus would not let him. Instead, He told him, go back to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. So He went out and He began to proclaim in the Decapolis, and that just means ten cities in that Gentile area, How much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. There's some interesting things there. Number one, Jesus does something that he does not normally do. A lot of times, when you read a a miracle story, a healing story, whatever it is, Jesus tells the people what? Go tell everybody? No, don't tell anybody. Keep it to yourself for right now. It's what's known as the Messianic secret. But right here, he tells this guy who is a Gentile, go and tell people. Go tell them what the Lord has done. And this is, guy's believed to be maybe the, the first Gentile convert. He comes to Jesus. I mean, he's been freed from this, this demon possession, and all he wants to do is be with Jesus. I mean, wouldn't you want to be? Wouldn't you want to go after the man who has freed you from this this torment? And Jesus says, no. This is what you do. You go to your people and you begin to, to tell them. And we see right here, we see the resume change in this story. Because the bad resume before said demon possessed. It said marginalized. It said scary. It said don't come near me because I'm uncontrollable. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no... Uh, no ability to keep my, my thoughts, my actions, everything together and, and calm and in control. Stay away. Jesus comes on the scene, removes the demons from this guy, and changes his whole outlook. This guy wants to go be with Jesus. The new resume page now says that he went to the Decapolis, to the ten cities, and he began preaching Jesus. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus. He takes our life. He takes our, our, our bad resume. No matter, no matter what is on it. And He can use it for the kingdom of God. No matter what demon you might deal with in your life if it's something from your past, if it's abuse, if it's, if it's addiction, if it's failure. Any of those things that Satan constantly reminds you of and, and brings up before you. Remember, number one, that those aren't who you are. Those are just things you've done. that man who was possessed with demons, that's not who he was. The demons were trying to destroy who he was. Who he was was a man created in the image of God. Okay, and so you and I have our failures, man, the, temp, the, 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 the tempting thing to do is to beat up on ourselves or let others beat up on us. And that's what Satan's doing. He's attempting to destroy us. He's attempting to remind us that we are worthless, that we don't have any value. And while he might be able to bring up those things, and they might be some bad things, you might have really done some bad things in your life, but that's not who you are. He might try to kill you with those things. That's the stones he's going to try to use. But what you need to always remember is that those are just things, who you are is a child of God. You are created in the image of the living God. And that cannot be destroyed. And that's what we have to anchor down to when Satan brings up that resume in our lives. When he begins to remind you what a failure you have been. When he begins to remind you about the things that you've done and you haven't been the best husband or the wife or the son or daughter or employee or whatever it is. You've not been the the Christian you need to be. You've done all kinds of things. and While those things might be bad, there is hope from those things. And it's found in Jesus. And so the point that I would make this morning is simply this is that freedom from bondage. It's found only in Jesus Christ. Now then, there's other things that help. You know, I mean, I've I've seen people go to counseling. When I say counseling, I'm not talking about Christian counseling. I'm talking about secular counseling. And a lot of times you'll you'll see people go to counseling for a while. Maybe it's a marriage that's in trouble, and they'll go get some counseling. And... Before long, you'll see him slip back into that same pattern and sometimes end up even worse. Have you you've seen that before? Uh, it's why Woody Allen's been in therapy for years and years and years. Okay? It's, he's going to, he, it's like he's sweeping out the room, but he's not putting something better in place. Does that make sense? Sweeping it out, but there's no Jesus there. If, if that makes sense. You know, and I've seen people do this. I've seen couples, man, they'll go to counseling or people in AA, they'll go and it'll help a little bit. We wonder, well, you know, and then we'll say, well, why does that secular stuff help? Because truth, on whatever level it is, truth is going to help. But I'll see people go to, to counseling, they'll be, their marriage will be on the rocks and they'll go for a, a couple of sessions and they'll think, things are good. We're doing all right. We don't have to go anymore. And what happens? A month later, they're worse off than where they were when the first went. Because they did not replace it. They didn't replace it with, with, with something else. It makes me think of uh, Luke 12. Luke 11. Um Jesus is being accused of driving out a a, a demon by a demon, by the power of demons. In verse 21, he says, when a strong man fully armed guards his estate, his possessions are secure, but when one stronger than he attacks, and that's talking about Satan, and overpowers him, he takes from him all his weapons he trusted in, and he divides up his plunder. Now then drop down to verse 24. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, It roams through the waterless places looking for rest and not finding rest. It then says, I'll go back to my house where I came from and returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes in and it brings seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and they settle down there and as a result, the man's last condition is worse than the first. Counseling and AA meetings and NA and all of that stuff, it's very good and it can be helpful because there are elements of truth to it, but if you don't put Jesus in there, if you don't sweep it out and put something better, the stronger man, it's not you or me, it's Jesus, if we don't put the stronger man in its place, we'll end up worse off than we were before. It's Jesus. You see, and when we do that, Jesus rewrites our resume. He doesn't rewrite it. He gives us another page. And he allows us to go and step into places of darkness where we have been and we become the light in the darkness to someone else. Someone else's struggle. I mean, if you've ever been through any kind of struggle and just as the song says, you have overcome it, And then you've met someone else who's been down that same road. Haven't you been able to pour into their life? Haven't you been able to to speak from from your experience? That's what Jesus does. That's the power of Jesus Christ. He gives you the ability to speak life into someone else's darkness. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. I, I, I'd give you this as well. And those of you that like social media, here's your hashtag. Free people, free people. Does that make sense? Free people, free people. If you've been freed by Jesus, you are free to go free others. That's exactly what this man did. Jesus didn't let him come with him. He says, you go tell others about me. The guy went to ten cities in the surrounding area and he proclaimed Jesus is Lord. That's what Jesus will do in our life. He will free us from oppression. He'll free us from bondage. He'll give us a new start on life life. So don't let him constantly remind you about your failures, about your past. Yes, those things are there. Acknowledge them. I'm not saying to to force them out and act like they didn't happen. Let God remake you and let him show you how to use those to help others. Become a free person and then go unlock other people in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what He calls us to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be freed by something. There's an addiction, a past, maybe it's anger, whatever it might be, whatever it is that Satan uses to lock you up into bondage. Maybe you need to bring that to Jesus and let Him free you so that you can go free others. But don't, please, don't go away carrying a burden that you don't have to carry. Don't go home hurting when you can be freed by Jesus this day. We can help you. if We can pray for you. If we can baptize you into Jesus Christ today, why don't you come?